Good morning, everybody. This is Alex Barthet with the Barthet Construction Law Firm. Um, Ariella cannot make it today, so I'll be flying solo. Um, today's webinar is titled, Boo, Scary Lean Release Forms You Should Never, Ever Use, and Those That You Should. So let's go ahead and get started and talk about each of these topics. So on today's agenda, we're going to start by me explaining what is the legal significance of a lien release. Uh, it's important that we understand that before we go in. We'll talk about negotiating the form of the release at the time of the contract. That is absolutely critical. We'll talk about having the correct through date. I'll explain why that's significant. And then we'll talk about some exceptions to create to your release, one being conditional release language and the other being uh, exceptions to the release. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So let's talk about the legal significance of a lien release. Why are these documents so important? Why do you have to keep signing them over and over again? Um, so a lien release releases your rights to any claim for a lien that you may have in the property through a period of time. All of it is subject to the terms and conditions that are in that document. That's why understanding the document itself is so critically important. Um, you have a certain amount of rights because you've performed work on a, on a project. Those rights, that bundle of rights, um, is uh, belong to you. And when you sign that release, legally you are giving up some, most, or all of those rights. Um, by the way, if you sign a lien release and you have bond rights on a project, your lien release acts as a release against the bond. So don't think um, we've had some clients perceive that, well, I gave a lien release, so my claim against the bond is still uh, in place. That's not true. There's a, a one line in the lien statute that says when you give a lien release, that automatically constitutes a release against any related payment bond that may be on the project. Now, you have lots of rights on uh, when you perform work on a project. Um, one of those rights is your lien right, but there are other rights. So a right to contract damages, a right to delay damages. Um, uh, so having those other rights, is it's important to know because you want to make sure that when you're giving up and you're signing this document, you're giving up those rights, that you're only giving up the rights that you want to give up. And I'm going to show you some release forms where it becomes very apparent that you're giving up lots of rights, maybe more than you think you're giving up. So some of those examples, as I said, other rights are delays, um, change orders, claims. So obviously, whether you are giving a release and getting a check, um, your perspective on what that release should say is going to be different than in the, in the reverse, when you are getting a release and giving a check. So for example, general contractors typically do both, but with the respect to their subs, they are giving a check and getting a release. So it's important to understand what that what those release forms need to look like because they are not the same 
in those two situations. So the first thing you need to do is you need to be able to negotiate the release at the time the contract has started. Um, that is the best time to release, to, to negotiate your release. So um, Florida law has certain release forms that are considered the standard, um, but you may sign a contract and that contract may say um, that you're gonna use a certain release form. And if you agree to that release form, well, that's the form you have to use. So if you want to use a specific form or you object to the form that's in your contract, then you need to negotiate that at the time of the contract. So for example, um, you, we, where we typically see these releases, if you are a subcontractor, is in the um, multi-page contract that you receive from the GC. It, for example, may be uh, some of the exhibit pages. Um, I, I know it's overwhelming to have to review all of these pages. Uh, you know, these subcontract forms, you know, can be 20, 30, 50, 100 pages with all their exhibits. But looking at all those exhibits and understanding those release forms is absolutely critical. Um, if your contract doesn't say anything about the release forms, then generally the law says that you need to use the form that's found in chapter 713. And I will show you what those forms look like in a moment. Um, you can also get pretty simple release forms if you go to our website, theleanzone.com, and you click on tools and forms, you have all of the release forms right there that you can um, use. So the best way to deal with this issue in the future is including a statement in your contract if you want to be specific that the forms of the release that you're gonna use are the chapter 713 forms, is to include as you are negotiating the contract, a statement like, notwithstanding anything here and to the contrary, the progress and final release forms in Florida statute chapter 713 um, can be used by subcontractor in exchange for payment. So even if there's a form of release attached to the subcontract or the subcontract says something like, you agree to use the form that the general contractor or owner demand, um, if you included a statement like that, uh, notwithstanding anything here and to the contrary, the progress and final release forms in Florida statute chapter 713 can be used by subcontractor in exchange for payment. A statement like that should be able to give you the legal right to argue that, oh, no, no, I'm not signing your release, general contractor or owner. We're going to sign the forms that are found in chapter 713 because that's what we agree to. So let's talk about the through date. Um, using the correct through date is, is absolutely critical. <clears throat> the through date um, in this simple example um, is the date that, the, uh, that this release is effective through. So I may sign it today to receive a payment from September so that's several months back. So the through date should be the day of that payment through the period of time in September. So 
if I'm getting paid for all of September, then the through date should be the last day of September. But here is where we find uh, clients make mistakes. Let's assume that for the month of September, you need a $50,000 check to pay you for all of the work you did in September. But they're only going to give you a $30,000 check. So you have two choices. Option one is to change the through date. You can say, well, if 50,000 gets me to the end of the month in September, and they're only going to pay me 30,000, well, is that the seventh of the month? Is it the 10th of the month? Is it the 26th of the month? Whatever it is that represents those amount, uh, those dollars that you're getting, that's what the through date should be. Because here's the problem. If you sign a release and you receive less money than you are expecting, but you give a through date through the end of the month, the through date is going to control. Let me repeat that. When you have a through date in a release, the through date is going to control, not the amount of money that you are receiving. So even if you submit a pay request that says that you're entitled to $50,000 and you show up and they give you a $30,000 check and you sign a release that has a through date through the end of the month, you have given up all of your legal rights through that through date for $30,000. So you have to be very careful. So option one is to change the through date. Option two is the harder decision, which is to um, refuse to accept that check and say, I cannot sign that this release because the through date and the amount of money you're giving me don't match up. Now, what if there is no through date? Uh, what if there's uh, only the date that you sign the document? So again, in my example, I'm signing it today, but I am expecting a check through the end of September. If there is no through date, then the date that you sign the document is the effective date. So you have to be very, very careful because if you sign a release with no through date, today you are releasing all of your rights from today back. So be very careful about that. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is, is the through date really a through date? And, and the reason I say that is because sometimes you may read the document quickly and it says that um, blah, blah, blah through the last day in September. Um, so you think, oh, well, there's a through date. But the document itself may use that through date to apply to something else. So, for example, we've seen general contractor release forms that release all of your rights effective as of the day you sign the document. But the through date is a representation that you've paid all your bills through that date. So they're using the through date for a different purpose. But if you're not reading the document, then, then you have uh, a problem. You've created a legal problem for yourself. So be very careful about the, uh, that the through date is in fact the through date. Let's talk about conditional release language. A conditional release is a release that is effective pursuant to its terms, whatever it says, with a specific express condition that is that it's conditioned on you receiving funds in a certain amount of money. Um, so where we see this all the time is if you are going to give someone a release today for the promise of a check later. So, hey, send me your release and I'll mail you the check. Well, when that happens, you should be using a conditional release. So the language is 
uh, words to the effect of notwithstanding anything here and to the contrary, this waiver and release is expressly conditioned upon the undersigned receipt of blank, $50,000, $100,000 in paid funds. Otherwise, this waiver and release is void. So by adding this to your release, what you're going to do is you're going to um, make the release expressly conditioned upon you actually receiving the money. And if you don't receive the money, then the release is no good. So anytime you are going to give someone a release today for the promise of a check tomorrow, um, you should use conditional releases. The other time you may want to use a conditional release is if you are giving someone a release now for a check and you have a concern that that check may not be good. So if someone gives you a check and it turns out to be bad, uh, NSF or they put a stop payment on it, having that conditional language will protect you from that situation. So obviously, you know, you've seen $10 releases. You cannot have a $10 conditional release. So in the language that I told you where you're going to put in the amount of the funds you're receiving, it cannot be $10. So you need to specifically say, if you're expecting an $8,000 check, the release has to be for $8,000. Um, sometimes we see clients say, well, I, I don't, I'm not worried. I'll send them a scan or a fax copy because I'm holding the original. Understand that copies are valid pursuant to their terms. Um, most people believe incorrectly that a lien release must be notarized. While it typically is notarized, it is still a legal document that if it's signed, even if it's not notarized, and even if it's just a copy, it's still an effective legal document. So if you think that by holding the original uh, release means that the other side has no legal rights, you would be sorely mistaken. So the only way you're going to protect yourself is to add conditional language. So one of the things you can do is if you find yourself add, constantly adding this conditional language is create a stamp. You can go to a, a company on the Internet and create a stamp um, with that conditional language. For everyone on this uh, webinar, uh, if you are listening to this and you send me an email, I will send you a conditional release stamp. You can kind of see it in the slide there that we have made up. My email address is alex, A-L-E-X, at barthet.com, B as in boy, A-R-T-H-E-T.com. If you send me an email requesting uh, one of these stamps, we'll send you one in the mail. Um, we have a whole bunch to send out. So until we run out, we'll go ahead and, and send them to everybody. Now, sometimes you have other things you want to carve out of your release. Uh, so maybe you have delay claims, uh, unexecuted change orders, and you want to protect yourself uh, by not giving up those rights when you sign a release. This is very important. Some releases that we see include lines for you to write in exceptions. You should do that. Um, but if not, you can add in your own exception. So here's an example. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this waiver and release specifically excludes blank. So maybe it's RCO or PCO. 9, 12, 14, and 18, right? Maybe those are currently negotiated or pending RCOs. Um, 
which are reserved by the undersigned. So notwithstanding the foregoing, this release and waiver specifically excludes blank, which are reserved by the undersigned. Um, so if you have a delay claim, maybe you submitted a delay notice and you have uh, did that with a letter or an email, um, so you'd want to reference that. Maybe you turned it into an RCO or PCO, you should reference that. But any of those claims you need to, you want to reserve, you need to specifically include a reservation in your release. Um, one of the things that you have to be aware of is that you have to do it month after month. So for example, if I am asked to do change order work and it's a disputed change order and I'm asked to do it today and so where, where we're, we're at the end of October now. So I'm asked to do it today. And um, I have to sign a release at the end of this month. I wanna preserve that right. So I create an exception for this, let's call it RCO1 um, for this claim. Now, next month, that's November, we still haven't resolved the issue. I need to make sure that in November, so I included the exception in October to preserve it. Now November comes around, we still haven't resolved the issue. It's still not an approved change order. Now the exception in November is still RCO1. December comes around, we still haven't resolved it. I need to include the exception RCO1 in my December release. Until it is fully resolved, you have to um, make sure that you reserve it every month. Because if you look at the language of most releases, to the extent you don't reserve it, you are waiving it. So if you, if you miss a month, you may give up that right. So be very careful. One of the things we hear about all the time is, well, they don't accept my modified release. They won't accept this language. Um, you know, I don't have an easy answer for you other than to tell you you'll have to make a business decision. Obviously, the best thing to do is negotiate early on. The um, form of release at the beginning so you don't have to deal with that. But if they won't accept the modifications in your release, you're going to have to make a business decision on how hard you want to push to try to protect your rights versus get money. Okay, so let's talk about the various forms of releases. Let me kind of put all of this together, all the things we learned. So as I told you at the beginning, it depends on whether you're the GC or the sub on, on how all of this works. Um, generally speaking, you want to give the narrowest release when you get a check, meaning I'm a sub, I'm, I'm picking up a check. I want to give away, I want to give up the fewest amount of rights as possible but you want to get a broad release when you give a check. I'm a GC, I'm giving my sub a check. I want them to release everything under the sun when I give them a check so that I don't have to worry about them coming back. Now, remember, by the way, everyone is typically in both positions. So as a GC, I may want a broad release from my subs, but when I am picking up a check from the owner, I want a... I want to get my check and give them a narrow release so I can preserve any rights I have against the owner. The same with a sub. If I'm a sub, um, I may have a sub-sub that I'm paying um, or labor uh, or a rental company. I want to try to get them to give me a broad release when I give them a check. So 
even though you may typically think of yourself as a sub and only want to give narrow releases to your GC, you also have to be aware that you want to get broad releases from your sub-subs. So let's take a look at the forms of release that are found in Chapter 713. So this is a standard release form that's found in Chapter 713. It's the Progress Payment Release Form. It's very simple. It releases one thing and one thing only, your lien rights. So other rights you may have are not released by this form of release. It has several blanks. The most important are the dollar amount and the through date. Um, so in exchange, uh, in consideration of the sum of $10,000, we hereby waive and release its lien and right to claim a lien for labor services or materials furnished through um, you know, September 30th. So it's a very simple form. It's a progress release form. Let's take a look at the 713 final release form and you'll see why it's a little different. So um, notice that it still has the blank for the amount of money you're gonna receive. However, it has no through date. So you remember I told you if it has no through date, then it's effective as of the date that you signed it. So this release is a final release in exchange for a certain amount of money effective the day that it's executed. So if I execute it today, I'm giving up all my lien rights from today back. Let's take a look at another form. Now this form should jump out at you already as, as very different. And the main reason is it has lots of words. So because it has lots of words on it, you should already recognize that you're probably giving up more with this release than um, the prior releases, and you'd be correct. So this release is um, releasing all claims, change orders, works, materials, delays, fees, costs, losses, expenses, damages, um, or sums for labor services and materials furnished. So this effectively is a general release. All the rights that you have um, are being released with this release. They all go away. So understand that there are likely no rights that you are preserving when you sign this release. Like the other release, because it's a partial, it has a through date, but this release also has other rights uh, or other statements that it's asking you to verify. We see this commonly in uh, releases that are given to our clients. The undersigned warrants and represents that it has paid all bills and sums due uh, and to uh, due to any and all suppliers, persons, employees, agents, and contractors working under or through the undersigned through and including the date listed above. So in addition to releasing your rights, you're making an affirmative representation that you've paid all your bills. Is that a true statement? Um, it better be because if you're signing this document, sometimes under oath, uh, you want to make sure that that statement's correct. It also goes on. The undersigned further warns that all work and materials supplied by, through, or under it fully comply with the applicable contract documents. So this is what I'm saying about being very careful about the releases that you're signing. They are legally significant. Many of them include lots of things that are unrelated to just releasing your lien rights, is what, which is what you're thinking. Um, so be aware. Now, to uh, summarize, if I was a general contractor wanting my subs to sign a release, I would want them to sign 
this release, the one that's in front of you, this broad release with lots of language. If I'm a subcontractor, I'd like not to sign this release and only sign the chapter 713 short form releases. So that gives you some context of the different types of releases based on the perspective that you have. So let's recap quickly. One, negotiate the form of release in your contract. Very important. Don't wait until the job is ongoing to realize that you have this problem. When it comes time to sign the release, watch out for the correct through date. Make sure that the through date and the dollar amount you're receiving are correct. Always use conditional language when possible, when you are giving a, a release in exchange for the promise of a check later, and create other exemptions as appropriate to protect other rights that you may have. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.